Terry, hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And if you should want to call us from out of the local area, you can put a 225 in front of that number and reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from our out-of-town out of listeners. Town listeners and the listeners here in, in town. In town. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy hearing from everybody. That's it. Hopefully we'll get a lot of calls today because I don't think that makes the show kind of go smooth and easy. But between the calls, I thought we'd discuss a few other topics. Mm, sounds great. Yeah, I was going to pick up some clothes this weekend, doing a little bit of shopping, and of course... The whole United States, I think, or, or a large part of the United States right now, re- reiterating, is kind of in a heat wave. Right. I mean, it's high, above average. Yeah, mid 90s here and, and probably pretty high all over the country. Mm-hmm. And you walk into the clothing store and they've got the sweaters and the different jackets and stuff displayed long sleeve shirts, long sleeve trousers, long pants trousers. Yeah, I just find it kind of hard to buy yeah. winter clothes in the middle of summer. You know, it just, you're it, dripping it, wet with sweat because right. you walk through the store and you look at all this stuff. But the point is, we know that cooler weather is coming. Right. And the merchants have to get ready for this because it goes through a long supply chain. They have to manufacture the clothing and they have to ship the clothing. They have to get the clothing out and put it out, advertise it. One thing and then just another. So it's sort of a long process, but we have to get prepared for it. So if you start to walk into stores now, you can see the fall fashion. Sure. Now, where I was going with all this is... Of course, we've got very, very hot weather, and it's very easy to think about, well, my air conditioning is not quite cool enough and all that. But we tend to give less thought to the fact that cooler weather is right it's, around the corner. That's right. And certain things happen when the temperature changes to an automobile. That's right. It's it's a whole different set of circumstances, and it can present a lot of problems for people. Right. Because you're sort of in hot weather mode, and then all of a sudden the first few cool days hit, and a whole bunch of different things tend to manifest. And a lot of those can be prevented. Sure. And this is a good time to start working on the plan to get those prevented. Right. Instead of waiting until the problems actually occur. And we're going to go into that and a whole bunch more here in just a minute. Let's take a couple of our phone calls. We've got Lee online. Good morning, Lee. Yes, I have a Chevy Silverado with 300,300 miles on it. Okay. And I was wondering, what sort of things can I do to keep the timing chain going and about how many miles can I get out of it? There's no real set amount. It just depends on the way the vehicle was cared for in the past. If it's had regular oil changes at reasonable intervals and a good oil filter and the proper oil was used, the timing chain can last the life of the vehicle. Now, if any of that wasn't the case, then you're on borrowed time now. And there's no maintenance on a timing chain on a Chevrolet engine of that nature. The only thing you can do is go in and replace it or wait till it breaks and change it. Either way... The cost is going to be roughly about the same. It's just one of those things just depends on the way it's been cared for in the past, you know, and, and you'd be the only one who would know that. So if you've taken mm-hmm. good care of it, you've changed your oil when you're supposed to, you put the right oil in it, the right type of oil, the right filter, all that sort of thing, I wouldn't be real scared of it. Chances are something else will go out before the timing chain does on that engine. Well, the, the catalytic converters are starting to clog, and I've also noticed that like since they started to clog up, mm-hmm. my oil, 
it gets black like at a thousand miles. Yeah. So is, is that just because they're clogged or that's Well, it could very well be. Yeah, you're not going to be able to drive around like that. You're going to do an extreme amount of damage to the car. I mean, you're not going to be able to keep oh, driving really? around with plug catalytic converters, no, sir. Well, eventually, it's gonna. you're not going to be able to accelerate it because the exhaust cannot get away from the engine, so it's going to back up inside yeah. the engine, yeah, all that carbon, and it's not going to run at all. Well, all that carbon is going to back up the intake. It's going to take out the throttle bodies. going to take out the MAP sensor. It's going to damage all kinds what of What if stuff. I just cut them out? <laughs> yeah, you I can. mean, it's your vehicle. <laughs> it's your vehicle, but you got to pass state inspection, yeah. and if they're oh. not on there, they're not going to pass. Yeah, why not just fix it? That would be like what a thousand dollars. I don't know. It depends on what's wrong with yeah, it. Just cost of driving the car, man. You got three hundred thousand miles out. So of you it, got so. you. If you got three hundred thousand on a Chevy truck, you did good. Yeah, you did real good. Yeah, I mean, it's less, I mean, I've seen him another car. Yeah, no I've seen what. him go. I've seen him go four or five hundred. That's right. Just but, depends okay. on the way they've been carried. That's for. right. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Thank you. All right, All right thank bud. you. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we're going back to phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. With the hurricane out there, I've got thinking about these generator engines, and I've also run into it for the first time this year on lawnmower engine. Mm-hmm. The valves get out of adjustment, and you go to crank it, and it, and it like it's locking up. You say, well, i got a weak battery, and then you change the battery, and then you say, well, my starter must be bad. <laughs> and what it, what it is, them valves are so got such close tolerances, like three and four thousandths on the special, I think it's exhaust, that when the engine turns over, it compresses that air in that cylinder before the valve opens, and it just can't push it open. It's got to get that valve out of the way in a yeah, hurry. Yeah, I, I doubt it's going to be the valve causing that hurry because the camshaft is pushing the valve open. It could stick in the open position, but it's no, not going to stick in the closed position. It It's not sticking. It's just it's just very critical on that valve getting up off the seat. All yeah, that it's, it's all mechanical. The camshaft right. is going to push it open. Well, why would I bend it? It's, it's probably, my, well, it's probably the rings and the pistons are sticking. No, it's not. But anyhow, it's I've done adjusted the valves and the problem went away. So yeah. I've done that on three different mm-hmm. friends' engines this week, this yeah. this summer. Yeah. Huh. So, all right. All right, Hey, uh, <laughs> good. Hi, man. Right, bye. 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 All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you are part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. We're talking about preparing for the Correct. coming cooler weather. Correct. And one of the things that comes to my mind is, let's say we've got a thermostat that our cooling system, that's sort of out of kilter. Maybe the coolant's become corrosive or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the thermostat is stuck. Okay. And it's stuck open. Stuck open. Because it can stick closed, which will overheat the engine. Or it can stick open. And hardly any symptoms. Well, in a climate like we're in, you're not going to have a whole lot of symptoms because it's so hot outside that the engine's probably going to reach full temperature anyway. Right. Particularly if it's partially stuck. You know, if it sticks, maybe not totally open, but partially open, something like that. You're probably not going to even know during the summer that you got a problem. Exactly. However, come the first couple of cool days, now the engine is not going to warm up, which means it's going to probably idle real fast. Right. Now, when you take, let's say we have some other things going on, like the transmission has not been serviced. So the fluid's thick and kind of dirty. Right. The viscosity of it's kind of thickened up because of all the wear and tear and hadn't been changed out and one thing or another. So we got sort of a perfect storm for a transmission failure because we've got an engine that is now running faster than it should because the thermostat's sticking on it. We've got transmission fluid that's thicker than it should be, maybe a partially plugged filter, and the first good cool day, drop it in gear, and maybe there's a noise, maybe there's not, but it starts to slip and all that. Well, we just bought ourselves a transmission at that point. 
Now, what could have possibly prevented that or at least extended that would be if we had done a cooling system service, maybe replace that thermostat, mm-hmm. notice that it was not operating properly, service the transmission. Both of those put together is probably less than $400. Right. And we could have maybe prevented a $4,000 problem. Exactly. And that's just one of the things. But other things that come to my mind, of course, hoses tend right. to get, get brittle. brittle when it gets cold. Vacuum lines. Most vehicles have a small plastic vacuum line somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those get brittle when they get cold. Mm-hmm. The engine moves around, so the hose has to flex. And when it gets cold, that hose doesn't flex anymore. When the engine moves, it cracks it. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a vacuum leak. Yeah. So now you've got a check engine light. Yep. There you go. Belts, no thing. Right. Belt, usually when it's worn, if it's really hot, that belt is sort of soft and it's pliable. And it'll not give you a lot of symptoms. It'll stick and probably you, probably not give you any symptoms at all. You may get a little squeak or a little squeal. You may even have gotten used to it. But mm-hmm. come the winter, now the belt's cold. It's much harder. So it starts to slip, which generates a tremendous amount of heat. Now it starts burning up stuff like air conditioning compressors, right. alternators, because that slipping is generating a huge amount of heat, which that bearing in the front it's of the It's not designed to handle. Yeah, it's not. It's designed for its normal operating heat load. Right. But even though the weather outside is cold, if that belt's slipping... It's building heat. It's building a tremendous amount of heat. It's called friction. And that's going to tear up a whole, whole lot of stuff. So... These are some of the things that this is the time of year to really start thinking about. Now, one more thing is a battery in a car. Let's say your battery's three years old. Cranks the car just fine. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, a battery is a chemical reaction. Right. And if you remember your high school chemistry, when you heat a reaction of almost any kind, the reaction speeds up. It becomes more efficient. It produces more. So let's say we've got a battery, and it can only produce about 80% capacity right now. Well, with the temperature being as high as it is, that battery is optimized for about 80 degrees. So when the temperature's at 100 degrees, it may produce 100% capacity, even though it's actually only putting out 80%, because it's being sped up 20% by, by the, the heat. additional heat. Right. Now, first cool day, it drops down from 100 degrees under the hood to maybe 60 degrees under the hood. It was already at 80% efficiency, say, at 80 degrees, but now, now it's below 60. that, so it slows down even more. Right. Now your car doesn't start. And that's where the old urban legend about, well, cold weather kills batteries. No, the cold weather, the heat killed the, heat the battery. Killed it. Cold just covered weather it just up. revealed the problem. Exactly. You, you just wouldn't have known about it. The other thing is, of course, the oil is thicker in the engine, so it's hard to turn over. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the automotive hour. Take the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hey, Lewis Aldzan, Magco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm in the cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. Forty years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. Forty years. I, I can't even... bloody amazing. Sharon, where's my cell phone? 
Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Haldesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, True Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. Any problem you might have, we'll squeaking belt, squeaking brakes. Can't get started? Can't get stopped. Can't get started. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you just call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking just a little bit about some of the issues that come up with cold weather and right. all that. And of course, we're talking about batteries and the efficiency of them dropping. Right, and the thing about a battery is it only takes like 8 volts to crank an engine over. Right. But the PCM needs 12 volts to operate That's properly. That's right. That's what it's designed to use. Mm-hmm. So if you, the voltage starts getting below 12 volts enough, it will actually set a check engine light well, for a low voltage code. Well, and when you're cranking your car and when it first starts, before the alternator has time to kick in and bring the voltage back up, it does a bunch of references. You can start getting really weird symptoms. Like, right. I remember we had a Ford truck come in one time, and the air conditioning system would do really, really crazy stuff. It would just, like, not get cold at times, and other times it would get cold. And mm-hmm. Sometimes it would go to this and go to that. And The gentleman had spent an inordinate amount of money under the dash changing parts out. Right. He changed the actuators. He changed the climate control head. He changed a lot of stuff. I want to say he told me he had spent about $2,000 trying to rectify this wow. problem because it was very aggravating. I mean, you sure. get the truck, and you, maybe it's blowing at the windshield, maybe it's blowing at the floor, maybe it's blowing hot, maybe it's blowing cold. It was just kind of going crazy. So he finally brought it to us, and what I noticed was that when you cranked the car, the system voltage was dropping to about 9 volts. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got volts and you've got amps. Right. And you've got to have both, but if you've got enough amperage, low voltage will still run that starter. If you don't have enough amperage, and see, batteries die in multiple ways. Sure. Sometimes sure. they lose amperage and voltage, sometimes one, sometimes the other. Sometimes they just go dead. Yeah, sometimes they just drop dead. But in this particular case, it was enough amperage to crank the truck, but the voltage, the reference voltage was dropping. Correct. Well, the climate control system in this truck, when it first cranks up, it goes out and it does a scan. It looks at where all the little doors and all are and assumes this is the home position, and it references everything from that. Correct. Well, by the voltage dropping so low, the BCM, the PCM were not communicating properly. It would lose sight of that reference. So maybe it thought the door was in a different position because it's reading voltages. It's reading 5 volts. 5 volts positive means one extreme. 5 volts negative means the other extreme. 0 volts means the middle. But it uses 12 volts 12 as a reference. 12 is the reference. So if we've got 9 going in, what used to be 0 is now negative 3 maybe. Correct. So it sees that, and it says, okay, negative 3, that means the door is partially open, so it pulls it back what it thinks is closed, uh-huh. which skews everything up because that's the reference, and it's not going to set it again. It's not going to go back and redo it until you cycle ignition again. Exactly. And what it was doing is just acting very, very bizarre. And like a lot of would-be do-it-yourselfers, what they will do is they will look at the symptom, they will try to reason it out. Mm-hmm. So he says, well, okay, so... The actuator's not acting right. It must be the actuator. So he changed that, which is no simple yeah, task. I know. <laughs> well, it's still messing up. Well, the only other thing it could be would be the control head must be crazy. So I'll change the control head. Well, he does that. Mm-hmm. But what he failed to take into, into recognition here 
is that it all has to operate at the correct voltage. Right. And when the voltage is improper, it's going to do really goofy things. Goofy things. Yeah. And also the fact that it only takes a sample maybe when the truck first starts. Now, once the truck ran for a while, the alternator came online. It was straining the devil out of the alternator, but it would bring system voltage up. So if you look at your voltmeter, it would read correctly uh -huh. because the alternator was putting out 12.5 volts. So it could bring this battery up. It could subsidize the battery to a point. The truck was still cranking fine. So we checked it. I told him you need a battery. Oh, no. Oh, that ain't it. <laughs> I said, well, well, then I don't know because that's what I think it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> and in, long story short, we put a new battery and fixed the problem. Right. But that particular battery, that's the way that it went out. And even though it still cranked the truck fine, mm -hmm. even though the voltmeter still read good, even though there was no alternator light on, the battery was bad. Right. Just a different way that batteries can go bad. And it's a, sort of a flawed state of logic. I remember I had a gentleman one time told me, he says, what would make my blower motor keep going out on my truck? Okay. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, well, the blower quits blowing. I replace the motor, and it starts working. It works good for about a month, mm -hmm. and then it goes out again. Why would the blower motor keep going out? Well, see, he's, he's falling prey to superstitious logic. Because you changed the motor and it started working does not mean that was the problem. Exactly. Because you've done some other things at the same time. Right. Well, you moved the harness around. You've met, you've opened and closed the connectors. That's I right. I mean, you, you've done a lot of things under there not realizing that that happened. That's right. And come to find out, he finally brought it in, and what we found was he had a burn connector. The original blower motor was probably bad. It's right. Probably drawing, drawing too many, many amps. amps. Right. It burned the terminal at the blower resistor because that's the point of high resistance. So what would happen is you'd be going down the road, it would quit working because this terminal would open. Uh -huh. Well, he'd go in, change the blower motor, and at the same time he'd move the harness around, plug it back in. Well, now it, it would work working. fine, and it might work for a month, but then eventually the connection would open again. Well, see, the last time he changed the blower motor and it fixed it. Right. So logic tells you, hey, I changed the blower motor once and fixed it. Right. We'll change the blower motor again and fix it. Right. Except that wasn't it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Electronics do some crazy stuff. Well, and, and everything does some crazy stuff because a lot of times people will go in and say, well, I did this and it fixed it. Okay, well, that's great. But let's look long term and see what happens. Mm -hmm. If it keeps recurring. Then there's something else going yeah, on. There's other things that you're doing when you're going in and doing the one thing that you did. Another example would be, let's say you've got a vehicle that is shutting down on you, which is something we see a lot on drive-by-wire vehicles. Mm -hmm. You're driving along, all of a sudden the vehicle won't go over 25 miles an hour. Right, it goes into uh, reduced power mode. Reduced power mode. Well, they go on the Internet and they say, okay, throttle body. Okay, great. So, so change the throttle they body. They put throttle body on. It works fine. Well, fix it. That's good. Well, about a month later, wham, it does the same thing again. That must be a bad throttle body. Got to be a bad throttle body. So, so they change it again. Change it again. Right. Works for two months this time. Wham, goes out again. Well, what it is, when you change the throttle body, you open the entire circuit. You reset, right, you unplug it. You reset the computer. You did all kinds of stuff. Not knowingly. It could be the accelerator pedal sensor is bad. Right. It could be the module that interprets the accelerator pedal sensor. It could also be the 5-volt reference is skewed from something else causing it. That's because right. the computer uses that 5-volt reference you mentioned earlier for mm -hmm. the door motors, mm -hmm. the actuators. Mm -hmm. It also uses a 5-volt reference to every sensor. That's right. Well, if that 5-volt reference gets skewed for any reason, for any reason, then it could set any code it wanted. Just whichever one happened to not communicate correctly, time, yeah. it'll set a code to that. Right. I know I ran into that with my truck. Mm -hmm. It had a EVAP code. Okay. And just being I didn't have time to stop and change it, I checked right. the code, let it go for about a month mm -hmm. before I changed it. Well, all of a sudden, the truck went into low power mode. Mm -hmm. 
Well, the five volt reference were skewed from the valve mm-hmm. being bad, Red valve, and it skewed the five volt reference to the throttle body. Right, right. I fixed the valve, and the oh, problem the went away. Itself. Yeah, right. That kind of stuff happens all the time. We see that sometimes when people will come in and let's say they the car just completely shuts down, uh-huh. no check engine light, cranks won't start, and they do a little bit of checking around and say, okay, well, the PCM burned up. So they will replace the power control module, the PCM, uh-huh. and boom, it cranks right up and runs. And a month later, same thing. Whoop, must have been a bad PCM. Well, what the, the actual situation was, we have a motor called an idle air control motor, in this particular case I'm talking about, and it's driven directly by the PCM. It's Correct. a pulse-width modulated signal from the PCM that drives this little motor. Well, what happens, the little motor goes bad. It gets hard to turn. Uh-huh. When it does, the amperage draw on that circuit gets too high. Correct. So it starts pulling too much amperage through the computer. Now, most things on a computer control the ground side. Correct. They just have, for this reason. They have power to them, but right. the computer actually controls the ground. The switch is on the ground side on the computer right. instead of the power side. Like your fuel injector. It controls the ground side of it. A lot of things, it controls the ground through a relay. For uh-huh. instance, it controls the fuel pump. Through a relay. Through a relay. It grounds the relay. The relay closes, fires the fuel pump off. Correct. So the computer's more or less isolated. If the fuel pump fails, it can't damage the computer because it can't, can't get go back, back to through it. that relay. Correct. Unless the relay burned up, which is unlikely, it's probably not going to damage the PCM. Mm-hmm. But in the case of an idle control valve, it's a different situation. So right. two different things that kind of sort of seem the same, but you can't say, well, this doesn't happen because of this, because this one works differently. And when that idle valve seizes up, starts getting hard. Like, for instance, our first call, he was talking about he's driving around plugged-up converters. Well, uh-huh. the carbon backs up into the intake. It starts to seize the idle control valve. Right. Idle control valve's too stiff, burns up the computer. Right. Right. Amperage, running. amperage goes up, and it burns up right. the... Right. So we knew we had bad converters, so he goes in and changes the converters. Well, still, still don't work. <laughs> yeah. Change the computer. Well, now it works, but it only works for a little while and goes out again. So... The point is you can't just start going in, doing things. You can't say, well, I did this, so this fixed this, so this is this. But I don't understand why this. In that case, the computer was a symptom. That's right. It was not the problem. That's exactly right. And computers don't just burn up. Well, not very not, often. Not very I mean, often. I mean, lightning you, strike or something. You've got to figure out why this happened. It, mm-hmm. It's a big investigative procedure. procedure. <laughs> right. Correct. To, to figure out why this happened, well, not just this happened. And that's the difference between a professional mechanic and Maybe say a shade tree mechanic. See, I want to know. Mm-hmm. I want to know. Yeah, you got to know why, why did, did this, this happen? occur, and you can't assume that well this happened because it just does it, or they all do this, uh-huh. or, or that sort of thing. And that's why we have diagnostics on cars, and that's why it is much cheaper to diagnose a problem than it is to go in and, and start throwing parts change a part because not only may that not fix it, but you may be absolutely wasting that part that's going to burn right back up again. Correct. And we're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and, man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. 
Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Wow, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan from Agco Automotive. I got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Still got plenty of time. Give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air today at 11 o'clock That's or right. maybe next week at midnight, there you, go. you can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night. Just go to the website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A. G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. Couldn't be much easier than that. That's right, and we were glad to get you a personalized answer back that way. We were talking to Joe just before the break, and he said he uh, had changed the spark plugs Uh and cleaned the throttle body, and then the crew started working. And we said, well, yeah, that can do it, because clearly if the throttle body is dirty, it can cause too much amperage draw, which PCM may shut the cruise down. Right. Now, that's, that's usually the first thing that happens. Mm-hmm. If the cruise is, is being applied and there's a problem, the computer automatically shuts the cruise off. Right. And a couple of other things that could possibly cause the same issue, not that it makes much difference if it's fixed, but right. the cruise control on a drive-by-wire vehicle works off the throttle by same motor that operates the throttle. Uh-huh. So... When there is any kind of an issue, the computer has to have the ability to shut that throttle down or the car could run away with you. Correct. So let's say he had a slight misfire because of the spark plugs he changed. And when you say misfire, well, there's no check engine light. Well, misfire doesn't always set a check engine light. It has to have a certain number of misfires at the same RPM range. In a certain amount of time. In a certain amount of time. However, in mode six, the computer can see a misfire. It would also shut the right cruise. Because it sees a misfire, it says, hey, i got to get ready here in case i got to go to reduce power mode. Shuts, shuts the cruise off. Right. So he may have fixed the problem when he changed the spark plugs also. Uh-huh. Now, another thing that occurs to me is when he cleaned the throttle body, he probably also restored idle. Let's say the throttle body was dirty and it was idling below a certain point. That may set a pending code for which, idle, which, again, could shut the throttle body down. Because when there's any kind of active or pending code in memory, the first thing the PCM is going to do is shut the cruise down. Because it has to start monitoring this throttle. Because if you're driving 70 miles an hour and something goes out, it does not want that car to take off at 70 miles an hour. Right. So it is actively monitoring that throttle body all the time. Any kind of a hiccup that goes on, first thing it's going to do is shut cruise off. Start monitoring throttle body and standing by to shut it down if there's an issue. Because it's a pretty good system. It's a redundant system. There's two sensors in the in pe- pedal. pedal and two sensors in the throttle body. And all four sensors have to agree with each other, and all four have to correlate. It runs several mathematical calculations, and it's looking, like I said, for the right reading, the proper reading in relation to position, and it's also looking for correlation between two sensors at all times. 
And if any of that doesn't add up, first thing you do is shut your throttle by down. Goes to reduce power. Reduce power. That's where you can mash the accelerator to the floor and you can't go but about 25 miles an hour. That just keeps you from getting stranded in a traffic lane or something like that. It gives you enough power to get out of the traffic lane and get off the side of the road to safety mm-hmm. without totally shutting the vehicle down because and it could just shut the whole thing down. Well, and it could, yes. We're done. But right. they did that for a safety reason. Yeah, and it could also, if it didn't do that, the car could take off out of control. Correct. So... Out of an abundance of safety, anything that malfunctions shuts that cruise. That is a good, good feature, but it makes it extremely difficult to diagnose problems like that. Right. And the same thing, again, going back to Joe's example, when he cleaned the throttle body, he probably also moved the connector on the throttle body. Right. So it could also be that he's got a loose connector pin. And that, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. You do one thing, it fixes the problems, okay. But other things occurred at the same time. Uh-huh. And it could be any one of those things because anything that goes wrong in that system is going to shut the cruise off first off. Right. You were talking about that connector. They actually have a tool that checks those female connectors. Mm-hmm. It's called a drag tool. Right. It's made a specific size right. for a specific Same pin. Same size as the pin. And you put it in there, and if you feel it drag coming out of the, the female part of the pin, then the, the connect the pin is good. Right. But if it's loose and there's right. no drag, then you've got an opened-up pin, which could run the resistance up on that connection, and the computer see that and say, hey, well, we got a problem here. Bam, shuts the cruise off. That's right. I've seen techs will take an old connector and make those tools themselves. Correct. If they have a certain thing they work on a lot and they had trouble, like the fuel pump connectors, uh-huh. that's, especially on Chevrolet, is one of those real problematic things. So what we do, we take an old connector, cut it apart, take a known good terminal, sort it to a little piece of wire as a handle, and then you can stick it in, stick it out. If it just slides in and out with little with no or no resistance. resistance, we know that connector is bad. Correct. And on a 12-volt circuit, that's already critical because you've only got 12 volts. On a 5-volt system, it is two and a quarter times worse than that. Exactly. Because less resistance will kill the little bit of voltage that you have. You don't have much to start with. Right. So, so just you, a tiny amount is going to cause a, a much bigger, bigger problem. issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a gentleman one time who had a dying problem i think it was on a buick and what had happened at some point in the past someone had gone in and done some work on the front of the car okay disconnected the terminal at the crankshaft position sensor okay when they took it off the connector off there's a little rubber o-ring inside of there that seals it because right. it's down it's, low it's to the road it's, it's a weather pack that little o-ring fell out nobody nobody noticed, noticed it clipped it back on everything's great not a problem they drive down the road, a little bit of water gets into the connection, starts a little corrosion process. Probably a year goes by. Right. Now, now the car starts to die. Boom. Just dies dead for no reason. Let it sit a few minutes, cranks right back up. Okay. Brings it to the shop. They can't duplicate it. This goes on, goes on. For a number of years, this goes on. And along the way, somebody says, well, maybe it's this. Well, maybe it's that. Well, you know, the maybes will drive you to the poorhouse. Definitely. And he had spent an inordinate amount of money trying to fix this issue, but with maybes. We were in doing something else. I happened to take the connector apart, looked inside, and there's a little bit of green fuzz on one of those terminals. There you go. No weather pack connector. Clipped the harness off, soldered a new harness on with a connector, put it in, problem solved. And it was such a, it didn't happen all the time, so intermittent type problem. About a month later, the guy calls and says, man, did y'all do something that would have kept the car from dying? 
I said, well, we changed the connector on the crank sensor. Uh-huh. We were, I think we were changing the water pump is what and we saw, went in for yeah. and just saw this and, and changed it. He says, man, this car about once every two weeks would die on me. And then it would sit, and by the time I got it somewhere, it would start, and they never could duplicate it. Right. Do you think that was it? I said, well, very well could have been it. Why don't you drive it around a little more and see? So he calls me back about six months, and you fixed it. <laughs> I said, well, we got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> So it's one of those things that you may or may not have ever known to go after. Right. But just a tiny amount of corrosion on this one terminal. It's a 5-volt reference. It drops it out just temporarily, cools off, makes up again. Now it's almost impossible to find unless you just get lucky. Yeah. You may not ever find that. If you got a lot of experience with the car, maybe you've seen it before, so you go look for that. Uh But there are instances like that where – the only thing you can tell the customer is, I'm sorry, it's going to drive until it gets more consistent. You know, if it dies once a month and it gets to the shop and we can't duplicate it. That's very difficult, if yeah. almost impossible Well, to it's find. going to be impossible because, well, could it be this? Well, absolutely it could be that. Right. It could be this, could be this, could be this, could be this, could be a fuel pump, could be a computer, could be. If it's not acting up, it's yeah, very. Could be all kinds of very stuff. Very difficult to get Well, to and locate. not only that, but even if we go in and change something. You still don't know if you fixed it Did because you, fix you didn't anything? have a pro- you yeah. couldn't duplicate the problem to begin with. We might know in a month, right? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, those kinds of problems can be very, very, very difficult to ever diagnose. And with today's cars, I mean, back when you and I were growing up, you mm-hmm. had compression, timing, fuel, yeah, spark, and spark. You hadn't run an engine. That's right. Now today's engines, you've got different sensors. You've got a crank sensor. You've got a cam sensor. You've got voltage reference. I mean, there's a ton of things now that will stop a car from running. Well, yeah, that and every one of these not only has to read, but it has to read correctly, correctly. and has to read correctly in reference to that. And they ha- and, and the computer all- has to see this, 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 because it can shut this down based on this. And they're all wired different. Every manufacturer has a different way of going about doing things, right. so you have to know all that. Well, I mean, it's it's a ton of stuff to what, know now. What you know on a Chevrolet may not work on a Honda. Exactly. Or on a Ford or anything, or even another Chevrolet of a different year model. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I see we're just about totally out of time. I want to go ahead and start winding on up, tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends, and if you Go to your favorite rebroadcast service. That's right. They have a place for written reference. Yeah. Please fill it out for us. Yeah, give us a written review, and that'll move us up in the ratings so more folks can hear. Uh, the way that works is the more reviews you got, the more positive reviews you got. The higher you the go higher on the you list. Go, so when somebody types in all repair, your Bam. rating comes up. <laughs> they get us. <laughs> Instead of the other guys. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that gets us out there makes it all worthwhile for us to come in. Let's this station keep on putting us on the air. There you go. Which they're not going to do if nobody listens. <laughs> <laughs> all about the avatar. That's, that's it. <laughs> Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.